0: Our guest this episode is from Petaluma, California. She started singing, taking piano lessons, and studying classical voice as a young girl living in the country. As a teen, she attended a performing arts high school, then moved east to continue her studies at Syracuse University, where she focused on theater arts and developed a passion for Shakespeare. Our guest then moved to New York City and pursued acting for five years before returning to her hometown of Petaluma. Upon her return, she and guitarist Gay Pirard started a band called French Oak Gypsies, based on their mutual interests in French gypsy jazz and traditional jazz from New Orleans. Several years later, she developed the Billie Holiday Project, combining her acting and storytelling skills with her vocals as Billie, creating a top-notch quartet to accompany her. Along with being the leader of several bands— Acting as their manager, booking agent, and publicist. Today's guest teaches voice, acting, beginning piano, and guitar. We are so pleased to welcome our guest, Stella Heath. Welcome to Meaningful Musical Conversations, where words are music, hearts are melodies, and harmonies are vision. I'm Jill Mignot.
1: And I'm Daniel Townsend. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for tuning in, as always. We appreciate you being here on this lovely day. To my right, we have Stella Heath who's joining us today. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having
1: me. Absolutely. We appreciate you being here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, hey there, Stella. Hi. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. So, um, just for our listeners, um, just kind of wanted to start out and say a couple of things about um, actually how we met. Mm -hmm. We met... Uh, at Bennett Friedman's jazz improv class a few years ago I think.
2: Was it it the rep class?
0: Was it the rep class? I think it was the rep class. Oh jazz repertoire okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you (laughs) for that and yeah so. um, Did you
1: guys have improv together as well?
0: I don't don't think so.
2: I don't think I think you'd already done all the improv. Yeah. But I remember I asked you to play piano for me on one of the Rap songs. Oh, right. I think it was Autumn Leaves, right? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Oh my right. gosh, yeah. I think it was
0: your first performance in the was. class. Yeah, it was. <laughs>
2: right, <I remember. laughs> And I'm very shy, so I hadn't really talked to anybody, and you yeah. were very welcoming. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. nice to hear. Yeah.
1: That's true, Joe. Like, if you're walking in a room, you'd be the one to be the welcoming person. Oh, that's yeah. really yeah.
0: sweet. Definitely. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Well, you know, I I really, uh, I think I, w- I used to be so shy growing up, you know, as a kid, that, you know, and I really didn't talk, and it was only until, like, got much older and was kind of forced to talk in order to make a living (laughs) (laughs) you know that I actually learned to be more comfortable and so I know how nice it would have been for me to have been welcomed but but I appreciate you guys saying that thank you
1: I think we might have even had improv together yeah, one semester, have, and I remember thinking, improv, oh, my gosh, yeah. a vocalist, that takes some guts <laughs> in this class. I it know.
2: Took, it took a little push, actually, ah, to get oh into that God. class. Well, yeah. Do you want to say something? Yeah, for sure. Remember. For sure yeah, yeah. Um, well, so I'd wanted to to develop my improv skills as a vocalist and learn to scat and all of that. And so I emailed Bennett Friedman, the instructor, and and said, you know, this is these are the things I want to learn. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't take vocalists. And I was, it got me pretty mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I, I wrote him back this thing, just kind of saying like, how dare you deny me this knowledge <laughs> that I want to, to have, you know? And so we kind of went back and forth with the emails and he, he said, well, if you know a little bit of piano, then you can come and take the class. And 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 I remember sitting in on a couple classes before actually deciding to take the class and like having this kind of like, Awkward moment with him where we both were a little wary after this email exchange, but then sure. I grew to love Bennett for you, you yeah. know. Uh, but then eventually he let me take it, and he heard me, you know, kind of ha- that I had an ear uh, to to be able to navigate the the changes right. yes. and things like that, and yeah. so. He, he let me do it. Which wonderful. Great. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. So I, I think maybe you've opened the door for other vocalists. I hope so. Pioneered that. I hope thing. so, yeah. yeah. Because I actually have been in the class since then. Oh yeah. Because cool. I would yeah, audit yeah. it even though I've taken it too many times, you know, <laughs> to get credit. But yeah. Yeah. not that I care about the credit anyway. But um yeah. anyway, yeah, there are now some other vocalists. That's wonderful. So thank I'm so you, glad. Stella. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Uh, singers are musicians too. We are. Definitely. I know
2: it. It happens so much in like booking or you know communications where people say the musicians and then there's the singer. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know why there's that so that like separation that that vocalists aren't necessarily thought of as musicians. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Let's just mention just a couple of the things that you have going on mm-hmm. the Billy Holiday project. Yeah. Which is so exciting. Um, just say a little bit about about that and how sure. you got started. And, and actually, mm-hmm. um, yeah, how you got interested in Billy and mm-hmm. your interest in what particular genre mm-hmm. of of music.
2: Yeah, um, I've always loved jazz. Uh, I like love, love it just deep down in me. And I love the '30s '40s era of swing music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved dancing it when I was in New York, and and so when I came to kind of choose a vocalist that I wanted to feature, mm-hmm. Billy was really the obvious one to me. Um, and I love her story. And I think also the song Strange Fruit was really important for mm-hmm. me to, to present. Uh, I just think it's still very, very relevant and should be heard. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of compiled, I, I decided to do this, this project based around Billie and her life. And her music and so i spent about a year researching it and getting like the marketing materials the band together rehearsed everything and uh we released it uh, in february of this year 2019 and uh and it's been great you know we've we've had like one averaging like one to two shows a month and uh just going around the bay area to to listening uh stages uh, or listening houses uh and, and playing the show, and it's been really well received. so it's
0: it's great. How wonderful, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ha, do you have a, a favorite experience that you've had so far performing the Billy Project? In a um, particular venue?
2: Yeah, I think I think the, our last one at the Mystic was really. Mm-hmm. It was really great. It was nice because it's my hometown. It's also our piano Neil, pianist Neil's hometown, and so we had a lot of people that were just very, very enthusiastic in the crowd. And it's when you get that energy from the crowd, it's it's so nice to to feel it. And after every song, you know, just like a kind of roar of of appreciation is is such a nice thing to feel as a performer. Yeah, you know, and I feel like it really helps us bring the energy. Back and give back to them. So mm. it was a great, it was a really fun show. Neat, yeah.
0: fantastic. So we're, maybe we're going to skip around a little bit since yeah. you bring up <laughs> <laughs> your hometown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this exactly. is the mind of Jill. Um, <laughs> sorry, listeners. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you're from Petaluma originally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so tell us a little bit about growing up and uh, you know your background. Yeah, sure. Um,
2: I so I grew up on this beautiful seven acre property. In Petaluma on the west side Um, and it was like this hill it was very enchanting (laughs) Uh, it was my grandfather's property and um, I grew up there with my my mom and and my uncle lived there as well and um, so I grew up very close to nature we had we had you know horses we had sheep we had a garden chickens all those kind of things and then my mom always tried to introduce me to all kinds of cultural things, you know, so she'd take me to the city on outings and, and had a really amazing music collection that she was always trying to, you know, introduce new sounds and, and genres of music into my ears, mm. which I'm very appreciative of. Neat. And um, it, was, it was interesting. I mean, it was kind of... It, Petaluma's grown since I was a kid. And now... It, but back then, it was, it was kind of uh, much smaller, much more of, like, the rural... You know, mm-hmm. chicken and egg farm <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of town, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now it's a little bit more urban. But <laughs> so there were times when I was definitely bored, but <laughs> um, uh, I, it was a great upbringing. I think you know, it was a good place to grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Do you have a first musical memory? I imagine it must have been Petaluma somewhere. Now since we're um, in
2: ca- yeah, I do actually. Um, so I loved Louis Armstrong. Uh, was my he's kind of my hero in a way. And I had this CD um, called uh, Louis Armstrong's Greatest Hits, and it was—it wasn't like anything that he released. It was just a compilation, and um, and a lot of his like older, more produced uh, produced stuff. And um, and I remember I like knew every single uh, note on that on that <laughs> album, from the tinkle of the piano to to like his growly voice and <laughs> his toots of his trumpet, and. Um, and I, I didn't really know that I liked singing at this point, um, but I remember my mom had taken us to the city and we were driving back and um, and she was up at, in the front with a friend, and they were having a conversation, and I was in the back, and Louis Armstrong's CD was, was playing, and I was just kind of entertaining myself and singing along with it oh. like I did. And, uh, and, uh, and so then my mom's friend turned around, and I remember uh, her giving me this like kind of slit eyed look you know? <laughs> and, and, and telling my mom, you know, you should really get her into music. Uh, she might have something that's, you know, special, and then, and then my mom did. And oh, neat. Wow. That's really my first Whoa. first memory, because I didn't, I, I mean, I listened to music, but it wasn't something that I really thought about as, right. as anything that I could do.
0: hmm yeah. So how old were you um, when your mom got you into music? Eight. I was mm-hmm. eight years old. Voice lessons? Um, choir was choir. first, yeah.
1: Nice. What a great place to start.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed choir, but even when I started singing, and and I, pretty soon after starting choir, I started voice and piano lessons with the choir instructor, Melinda Moreau, who's still based in in Petaluma, um, actually Pengrove, Um, but, you know, I I still wasn't, I didn't take it super seriously, and then it kind of leads into another musical memory that I have, which is where it was kind of like that aha moment or whatever, Mm. uh, where I really wanted to do this as, as a kind of career path, and I took it a lot more seriously, and... So that happened... So my mom got tickets to the Phantom of the Opera, and I didn't really know what it was. And I was like, "Oh, I don't want to go see this opera. It's gonna be like really boring, and I'm just gonna sit there for three hours and and you know not understand a word of what they were saying." And, and and so she she kind of persuaded me to go, and she took me to the there, and we we were in like the nosebleed seats, literally like backs against the back of the theater, you know, next to the sound booth. And um and I was you know in the, if you've seen this show, it's it starts with this kind of dull scene where the doing this auction, and they're auctioning off, you know, relics from from the opera house, and it's the there's this chandelier that they they auction off as the last item, and I was like, oh god, this is going to be exactly what I thought it was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> and uh, and so, but then there's this huge explosion, and the chandelier like lifts into the center of the audience, and it was like at that moment that I was like, oh my goodness, and then they started like singing, and it was like such a compelling story mm-hmm. uh, that I I was like. I remember at intermission being like, what, what do you call those people on the stage? Like, what, what is their job? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and, uh, and my, and my mom, I think stage <laughs> actors. And I was like, I want to be a stage yeah. actor. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> so, yeah, and and it, how old were you then? Um, I don't, maybe like 10 or Whoa. 12 or something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I know that you've told me that you then um, began studying classical singing.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I think I had been studying classical um, singing. Yeah, and I did a lot of, you know, art songs and and arias and and things like that. And I think, you know, because a lot of them are in other languages, I I really developed my love for languages, which just carries forward into the music that I do now Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But yeah, I started doing classical voice and classical piano, uh, studying and... um, Actually, my very first instrument was trumpet in school. Really, (laughs) elementary school. (laughs) Yeah, I got as far as hot cross buns, and then (laughs) I
0: hot cross buns. (laughs) Cute.
2: Well, it could have been a Louis Armstrong
1: then. I know.
0: Well, I think you know, boy, that. <clears throat> Louis Armstrong, uh, must live in you a little bit because I've seen you actually scat trumpet uh-huh. sounds. And yeah, just... it's one of my
2: favorite. I mean, I love all different kinds of vocal sounds, mm-hmm. but the trumpet is a really fond one of mine, and it does feel like bringing Louis, or my love of Louis, <laughs> <Yes>. forward.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. So you studied classical singing th- up until you were how old? Oh, through college, actually. I was taking classical lessons. Um, Actually, let's backtrack because I know that you went to school. Um, you went to a performing arts school, didn't you? I in did. High school? Yeah,
2: yeah. So I grew up in Petaluma until I was 16, and then I applied and was accepted to a, an arts high school called Interlochen Arts Academy, and so I went there for t- the last two years of my high school. Um, as a theater major, mm-hmm. and then from there, I auditioned for colleges, and I wasn't actually sure that I wanted to go to college. But then got a good scholarship to Syracuse University, and went went there.
0: Yeah. Right, which is my hometown. I know. And when Stella <laughs> yeah. and I met, we discovered this early on, which yeah. is, is quite fun. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, and ha- tell us about your time at Syracuse University. Ah, uh, Syracuse was was a good time.
2: Um, I started there <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. as a as a musical theater major, and
2: about a year and a half in. I kind of had like a crisis. I didn't because I didn't love enough musicals to like really be a musical theater major, and uh, just the kind of music, the kind of the kind of song structure, it wasn't what really spoke to me, and and so I was like, oh, I don't know. I was really I was getting into kind of sociology and and um, like social geography, and so I thought I would switch my major to that. But then one of my acting teachers and a classical acting teacher kind of convinced me to to switch my, act, act, my major to acting, uh, straight acting, and kind of focus on Shakespeare. And mm-hmm. I'm really glad that he did that. And, and he said, go to London, too. <laughs> 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 and I did. Yeah. And it did really kind of, you know, reignite this, this passion for acting. And, uh, and my love of Shakespeare, who's next to Louis, is probably my, my second favorite historical guy. <laughs> so. Okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. And so yeah. you spent a semester in London? or I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And how was that? It was lovely. I, I miss it. Um,
2: I was very independent-minded, so I would go there. I went there, and all my friends were kind of decided to live in, in a dorm and, and live together. And I was like, no, I, I want to get the authentic experience. And so I decided to find my own apartment and live with Londoners. They actually were Australian, but, you know... <laughs> uh, And so it was, it was a big step, like, because I had to find that apartment from the States and, and just kind of have, go in blindly, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to meet these people. And it didn't really work out. (laughs) Um, They were, they were really heavy smokers and it was just, I, and they smoked in the house and they, they liked to party a lot. And so I, I just didn't, it didn't work out. And I met a, a guy while I was there, so I. I moved in with him for the second half of, of being in London and and it was really nice and I traveled a lot while I was there went to Morocco and France and Croatia and it was a really wonderful experience.
0: Neat. Yeah.
1: Have you been back since? Uh, I've
2: been back to France since but not back okay. to London yeah. A cool experience. That yeah, must have been. It was,
1: was the music scene there pretty popping? Did you experience um, that much?
2: I went to a time? couple jazz clubs, but I, there was, there were great street performers, but I was doing, I was really steeped in Shakespeare right gotcha. then. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for the music as much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Got it. Yeah.
0: So you're mostly doing music now, but I know that you love acting too. Yeah. Um, so, and that kind of I think you incorporate your acting skills in your Billy project,
2: uh, yeah, I think I do too. I think actually, in everything I sing, I oh. incorporate my my acting skills because any song is a story, you know mm-hmm. and so to really invest into the story and a, a lot of times I sing in other languages, so there's the the emotion that you convey uh, through the song is is really what tells the story if somebody doesn't know that language necessarily mm-hmm. um, but yes, I do, I really do feel like I use my acting skills. Sometimes I, I wonder if I should have gone to school for music, um, but I really, I don't regret the time I spent in the acting world. Mm. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you sing in Portuguese mm-hmm. and in French yeah. and in Spanish? Spanish, uh, yeah, we have some Romani tunes with uh, with
2: Banjango and... Um, also, i have done Catalan, a little bit of Russian wow. as well. So, yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. So, Bandjango for our listeners, um, it's Bandjango Collectif, and it was uh, it used to be called French Oak Gypsy Band, yes. and so you just recently changed the name. Yes. So, if you're looking for Stella and French Oak Gypsy, um, you can Google Bandjango or look on the notes page where we'll have a link. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll have that done. Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat>
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting. We had two other um, podcastees on that have also been playing with you. Stella, I know. Right? Yeah, so yeah, that's pretty cool. We've it got. Is cool. We're almost going to get the whole band at some point, right? Yeah, yeah perhaps we will.
2: great. I hope so. Right. We've too. had Michael right. Fortunato, with, yeah, the yeah. sax player and Neil, um who's, was on, and
0: Neil Angelo and, Fontano, and Skyler, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Skyler too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Huh. we're doing pretty well. Yeah, we're doing good.
1: I wanted to ask you if there's anything right now. If we just maybe it is music related, maybe it's not, but yeah. anything you're up to that's specifically for you and not so much maybe mm. about the performance right now, something yeah. you're interested in or something that's been.
2: Yeah, actually to. right now I, it was, it's only been since like the end of last year that I've been doing music full time. Um, so I've really been dedicating myself to, to the music. I'm kind of like swimming and how much I'm, I'm doing for both bands and trying to promote and, and uh, taking the Billy Holiday project to New York next next month. So, I'm I am struggling to find time for myself right now. Uh, to, in right. all honesty, um, but I'm always looking for like times to get away and go camping. <laughs> that, uh, that's, that's what it is for me. That's, cool. that's my thing. I love to get to the mountains whenever I can. Is
1: that something you like to do on your own? Kind of just to um, yeah, decompress uh, on my on own.
2: own? Um, you know with my boyfriend or with my mom too because she used to be a backcountry ranger in the mountains oh. and so she really you know kind of introduced me to like the eastern sierras and that's like one of my favorite places oh. in the whole world and um so whenever i can i try and get get there and um and just go camping around here we live in such a beautiful place true yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: love the beach camp out here that's fun <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah, right. Right. yeah absolutely yeah.
0: And we've gone on a hike actually together yeah, yeah. up in Anadale, mm, and Canada's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. We have a beautiful county here. We're really lucky. There's so much gorgeous, uh, so many gorgeous places to be.
1: Mm. Yeah, especially now after the heat wave of death that just destroyed everything. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh
0: man. It's yeah. It's hot, and now I
2: it's know. so like nice and fall. I feel like it's what ca- you know? people
1: think of California is now. We'll probably get like a week worth of it, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you what know? yeah. people expect it to be like, yeah, right. we get that sometimes, right. very rarely, but mm. yeah, now we're there.
0: So um, I'm wondering if uh, you could tell us a story, maybe think of one of your gigs that has been like really weird and hard or something like anything mm. that where, yeah. have you ever had an experience where it's like, oh my God, this is, yeah. This is tough. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I have. Um I mean it's it's always hard like just a couple weekends ago uh I played like a, a winery kind of a gig birthday party thing and uh and like nobody acknowledged that we were there mm-hmm. you know? and it was like you know you can do that you know but 3 set hours like playing music and like nobody like like even like looking at our in our direction yeah. you know is is a, that's a little bit weird it's a little bit That even
0: happens to you? Yeah, Yeah, it
2: was like it was like such a weird vibe. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Um, you know. Not that you, like sometimes the gigs that we play and often at wineries, you are kind of the background music, Mm -hmm. music, but oftentimes somebody will come up, but it was like, they all had a pact that like, don't look at
0: the musicians. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of wonder like what you're doing. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but So how do you deal with that? I mean, I'm thinking, gosh, maybe I would, if I, if it were me, maybe I'd think about the trees and I'm singing to the trees or something. (laughs) I don't know. How how did you deal with that?
2: hmm, I just keep keep going, mm-hmm. you know, keep singing. I always try to invest in the song, and every time you sing a song or I sing a song, it feels like I get deeper with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've talked about that before. So, you know, every time I sing a song, and, and some people say, like, how can you sing the same thing over and over and over? It Because the, at each time you you come at it from a different way, and maybe it's from doing acting, where, you know, you have to say the same words every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I really like going deeper and deeper into that little micro story of a yeah. song. So that's kind of how I get through it, I mm-hmm. suppose, is is investing more in, in what I do because the next time I sing that song, somebody will be listening probably. Yes. It's true. And yeah.
1: even if people aren't listening, at least you're invested in the music for yeah. you. It's yeah. something you enjoy. Yeah. They can't take that from you. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right,
0: know? yeah. And yeah. then it's a winery, so you're probably, hopefully, getting paid well. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, right. So, yeah, do you want to say anything since uh that's anything about money and gigs and
2: yeah i mean it's been a learning curve cuz i do most of my booking um and just you know starting to to ask for the value that i want for mm-hmm. myself and my musicians um has has been something that i really taught myself and and so i uh i just i really encourage musicians to have the courage to ask for their value and to factor in all of the little things that we do, you know, the travel time, the the rehearsal time, mm-hmm. the, you know, the extra time, the sound check time. There's sometimes, you know, I'll be hired for a three hour gig, but have to be there for six or seven hours because we have to get there to load in and sound check and then wait around and then yeah. <laughs> eventually play, you know. Right. So to factor in all of this time that is valuable for us, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, Because a lot of times maybe people don't realize when they see performers, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that it's just for those two or three hours. But really, um, I mean, even besides all the practice time and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. that goes on, uh, there is the load and carrying your gear and setting up and doing sound check And yeah, it's a lot. And then you know, afterwards breaking down and yeah. carrying your stuff to the car. Maybe three trips for the for the keyboard player <laughs> and the drummer. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's a lot, and we're so we're not just getting paid for that hour or two hours or three hours. Right. Yeah. So right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Plus, I've, I've I've also found the same sort of thing. You want? I'm um, I'm learning the same exact mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. mean, I've yeah. taken a lot of stuff that was yeah. I shouldn't have. Right. <laughs> because, right. Right. You know, and my bandmates are also learning that with me as well. But I think that. You want to set your prices in a way that people like respect that. And also they want you there in the first place. Like you want people that are actually wanting you there. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if the prices are set, what you think is right, then you're going to get the right people generally yeah. that yeah. are offering. You yeah. Know? So that's mm-hmm. kind of nice, at least, is that you're weeding out some of the people that don't maybe consider what it is that you're doing or consider the time or value that you have. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. So right. That is kind of a nice little ceiling to put there. It is.
0: The I, yeah, I agree. And, you know, c- come to think of it, another thing that maybe um, listeners or the audience might not realize is that when you have, you know, maybe four people in a band, um, what the venue might pay, for example, like if you're in a restaurant, because a lot of times restaurants honestly have a hard time yeah. making it. They're not like really flush. And yeah. so when there's a tip jar, I mean, it's kind of important, I think, to... Mm. Well, let me just actually step back and say that <clears throat> maybe a musician, each one of those four musicians ends up with maybe 50 or $60 for the yeah. night, for three hours of playing. And um, so, you know, maybe the audience doesn't quite realize that. So when somebody drops $5, $10 in the tip jar, that um, really, really, really helps. It really helps. It really, helps. really yeah. helps us. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Because yeah. you know, we gotta eat and have shelter. <laughs> yeah. and, I know and I know. have a life. It's it is fun to play music. Yeah. It's really fun to do that. But just because something is fun, doesn't mean that we shouldn't be paid well for it. Because it also requires tremendous amount of skill and yeah, practice, exactly, and time Years and commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yes. and then you yeah. know you're not gonna make like this all this money out of doing it if you do it for a living yes even if right. you're teaching i mean right. i know a lot of people who yeah. do that for you know that's their whole life like you're doing right now yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're trying to stay
1: above water right now, exactly you know? right that's that's mm-hmm. worth right. it to us if yeah. we can do what we love and stay above water right yeah. i think most people would agree that's yeah. what it's about mm-hmm. but yeah. in order to do that you gotta yeah. The right stuff. And we'd like
0: to <laughs> float on our backs a few times too. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> but yeah. you know, like, yeah. Hey, float on your back in the lake and like <laughs> stare up and have like a little vacation yeah. occasionally, which is kind of, you know, Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Mm-hmm.
2: I just went to a wedding this last weekend and it's so interesting because weddings are kind of like reunions in a way. You haven't seen a lot of these people since grade school, you know, or actually like middle school, high school. Um, and so everybody's kind of like, oh, what do you do now? What do you do now? And I, you know, I don't make the most money, but I'm so happy doing mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And like, there's something, you know, I, I feel like so happy and confident saying like, I'm a musician and I'm a musician full time and it's hard, but I love it,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's hard work. That's worth it. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's very energizing when you really like what you do. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I
1: know I have college professors that say pretty much every time we see them, like, "Aren't we so fortunate that we're doing this?" Yeah. Like, yeah. even if it's not making tons of cash on hand or anything yeah. like that, yeah. that's not what it's about. Like, right. we're just yeah. so fortunate we do something yeah. we care so much about, yeah, exactly. and not everyone can say that. And we should be really grateful for that, and we're able to actually kind of give from that as well yes. to others.
0: Yes, Absolutely, yeah, yeah exactly. Cool.
1: Mm. Stella, what are you mm-hmm. listening to these days?
0: Um, I'm listening to a lot of Billie Holiday
2: still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm constantly trying to add in new songs with the Billie Project. So um, lately I have been listening to a lot of Billie Holiday. I, I've listened to French music always since I was uh, very young. Um, I started off with Edith Piaf when I was probably around 8 or 10 or something like that. And and then I around that time... Was introduced to the movie Amelie, and I kind of just mm-hmm. fell. And I was taking French in school, and so I just fell in love with the culture and the language and everything like that. So since then, I've always like searched for French pop and like eclectic French music. So cool. that's always in my in my playlist. Um, one of my favorites right now is a woman named Mayra Andrade. She's actually. She sings in French, but she's actually from um, Cape Verde, and she lives in Paris. So. Um, but she's just got like this really kind of like edgy. Uh, she sings in Portuguese a lot, but kind of edgy, modern, um, really nice beats to her music. I, I like her a lot. Um, How do you spell her name? Uh, Myra M A Y R A Andrade A N D A-N-D-R-A-D. R A D E.
1: So that might actually lead us into the question we usually ask um, is, do you have like a musical fantasy or something that if you could just do something right now, learn something or uh-huh. perform something, literally anything related to music? Yeah. You know, to have, do you have something like that? It's a hard question. It is a really hard there's question. There's probably a million things that <laughs> come up. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I mean, uh as far as like an instrument, or I, I really love voice, you know. So I guess just, just continue. Like I'd love to be better and make a huge range of sounds with my own voice. Mm-hmm. I'm always kind of striving for that. So I guess that's that's what I'd want to do. If I'd want to, I, I don't, I've always wanted to go to France and and live there and and be a musician there. So. Yeah. I, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah,
1: there you go. That's a good fantasy yeah, to have yeah. and I'm sure you could. Yeah. There's no yeah. doubt about that. That'd be fantastic.
0: <laughs> you know, I kind of wanted to go back and um, hear a little bit more about your background. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that, uh, you know, because listeners, Stella and I are good friends. We've been friends for, uh, I don't know, a few years, ever since we met at the jazz repertoire class. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> So you know, I knew that you grow know that you grow up with your mother, mm-hmm. and you know I haven't actually heard about your dad. Yeah, and okay. I also there's a story about your grandfather, mm-hmm. and and how this ties into race mm-hmm. and uh, being a mixed race person. If you'd be yeah. open to talking about that, sure, a
2: little. sure, um, yeah. So I grew up with my mother, and my dad was never really in the picture. Um, he uh was a musician though. So he played saxophone and harmonica. Mm. And um and so yeah, uh growing up in Petaluma, I was one of the only mixed race kids uh, there was. There in my elementary school, my first grade year there was one other uh girl, Desi. We became really close because we, we looked similar, you know, we mm-hmm. were we called each other cousins. We were very, very close. Um, and um so it was kind of like this straddling of two worlds, you know, that I didn't, I never felt like I really fit in, um, you know, because I was raised kind of culturally white by my mother and then, you know, but all my friends were white because that's what was Petaluma's demographic <laughs> was, you know? And so I never like fit, really felt like I fully fit in there. And I guess it was in arts that I started to feel like a more sense of, of community and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that really started to solidify when I started doing theater uh, which I did in at Cinnabar in in Petaluma, and uh, and it was this wonderful feeling of you know like having this like really tight knit group of people, um, but then it was always like devastating when the show would end and the whole family would mm. would would break up. I remember as a kid it was like really hard to understand those transitions, yeah. Um, but yeah. So so race is something that I feel very strongly about, and I and it's still so so. Uh, prevalent in our, in our society is, is an issue, is, is something that, that we have not quite uh, dealt with mm-hmm. in, in any sort of a, a real way. A lot of times, it, there's like a difference that I draw in my head between kind of covert racism and overt racism. And actually, uh, I had overt racism happen to me just a couple like, weeks ago at Club Deluxe, uh, there was like this guy that just refused to to speak to me, and I'm quite sure that it, it was uh, it was race related, um, and it was just I hadn't felt that sort of like overt thing mm. in a long time, um, and it's really it's it feels so, and I remember f- experiencing this as a kid and throughout my my. Um, life, really, um, is that this feels like such, so powerless. You feel so, so powerless that nothing about who you are as a being, as a spirit matters. There's this hatred Mm -hmm. toward you Mm -hmm. and you can't really uh, do anything about it, you know. It's kind of futile in some ways, but I try in my, in my ways and singing music and telling Billy's story and in these, in these ways to kind of bring it to people's attention.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well thank you for d- for doing that, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Billy Project more and mm-hmm. Strange fruit mm-hmm. in um in a moment. but um, I'm the story that you told me once about your grandfather mm-hmm. and being an infant,
2: oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, i I'm trying to remember. so my grandfather um was, I mean, he was very uh, conservative, shall we say mm-hmm. and um, and I think when I was born for both my grandmother and my grandfather, it was kind of a shock um, that I was mixed race and um, and so I always um, you know I loved my grandfather and and he um, we, he would always come for family visits and, and things like this, but I, there was always that sort of like um, uncomfort that I sensed even as a kid, and and really what started to bond us was music. And he he studied classical piano and he loved opera. And so then when I started to um, sing opera and to to play a lot of the same pieces that he loved, we really started to bond. And um, and it was wonderful because I remember on his kind of his deathbed. Um, I've always sung in the shower <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was in my, my childhood home. He was in one of the rooms and hospice was there and, and uh, taking care of him. And, and, uh, and I knew that his favorite aria was Um uh from, from Madame Butterfly. And, and so I was in the shower and I was singing this song and, and our last you know, words were, were kind of about this song. And he just, you know, he held my hand and said, you know, Um di. I I love that song so much, and then it, it you know kind of transitioned into this like huge expression of of love that we had for each other, and um, and it felt like this big triumph to kind of like change this very conservative and um, yeah this yep. conservative man to somebody who really embraced his granddaughter mm-hmm. as a mixed person you know.
0: Wow. Well. Mm-hmm. thank you.
1: Sharing that—that yeah, that is do. so beautiful. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. It's a beautiful story. It is. Yeah. And how music can help transcend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this experience of separation and judgment. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: <clears throat> yeah. This false separation that mm-hmm. shouldn't exist in the first place, but. Yeah. Right. Amazing that music can break that down, especially yeah. at mm-hmm. such a time like that.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. Really heartwarming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So again, thank you for sharing that. I'm yeah, sure that right. is a very, uh, it's a hard topic, you know, it's hard yeah. to navigate and bring that up. So yeah, absolutely. really appreciate it. Yeah. You
2: mm-hmm.
0: that. yeah. Huh. Mm. So do you want to talk a little bit about strange fruit and, yes. um, yeah, sure. Um, I mean,
2: I, I, talk, I have kind of like a, a monologue that I say before I sing it every show, you know. Um, and I can I can say some of that. But so it was written by a man named Abel Mirapool who wrote it after reading about a lynching that happened in the South. And, um, and Billy didn't want to sing this song at first. And it's such a difficult song that it would make her physically ill wow. uh, to sing it. And uh, I definitely feel that. Like I have to kind of like mentally prep myself to go into it and it's such it's such a beautifully crafted song and what I really respect about it is that um it's very graphic you know it's it's it juxtaposes the beautiful you know fruit tree with you know this grotesque image of of a lynching and Mm -hmm. and I mean if you research lynchings like they were just brutal you know just so so really grotesque Um, and it forces you to really look at, at that, you know, this, this beautiful American society that we have, and yet the underpinnings of it have, are entrenched with this racism, you know, and, um, and so it's, it's, it's still so relevant, and I think, um, I wish more people saying it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, white or black, you know, whatever. Um, I wish people would would put that in front of people more and kind of, because it makes you confront it. It makes mm-hmm. you say like, okay, yeah, that we don't have this, you know, nice past. You know, we can kind of put the blinders on and, and say, oh, we're post-racism, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not now, but Clearly. maybe in, in the Obama no. years we, we could say that. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, not even then. Yeah. Um but it really makes you look at it and I think that that's important just to, to to see
0: to, to see open our it, eyes yeah. and, and to see it oh, and to yeah. confront it exactly. and yeah yeah
1: yeah we should be able to understand why we are post-racist if we're getting to that point yeah you know, it would be like not forget what has
2: right you know, and uh, you know just being more honest I guess about about our own prejudices and i think like we all have them you know and so if we all you know kind of face that and kind of do our own work and say like oh yeah i'm feeling uncomfortable about this what is that and mm-hmm. and then we can start to approach people as equals and 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 you know see that we're all the same we all mm-hmm. you know are the same human forms we are you know like mm-hmm. subtle differences um, yeah. that we that we make greater of than yeah. they
0: should. Than yeah, they should, and, yeah. you know, anytime that I've ever heard a story um, where someone has um, maybe been ra- racist in the past or, you know, a skinhead or whatever, and they come forward and they talk about what happened, where they actually, um, you know, they changed. Like, how did that change come about? Mm-hmm. And what was going... If they have insight, I'm sure they, they usually have insight into... Um, how they ended up being that way to begin with, and then what happened that changed. So I think transformational stories Mm -hmm. um, are really um, powerful, you know, when somebody is willing to tell their story. Uh, And, you know, about race and even, you know, about, like, homophobia Mm -hmm. um, as well. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I know of a, um, a person who... He had been really homophobic and um, ended up going through this huge shift and understanding why he had been homophobic. Um, But he only went through that shift because, um, you know, of course he had grown up in a a religious background and a culture and his family that was really prejudiced against gay people. And of course, you know, like growing up with a Bible that tells you that it's wrong and all of that kind of thing. But then he had ended up in this position where um, he ended up in a group situation, like a healing situation Mm. with a bunch of men that were dealing with the same issue. And then he heard like gay men stand up and tell their stories uh, about being bullied and all this other stuff. And as he um, had his own pain that he was dealing with, he uh, ended up um, having like this tremendous amount of compassion for these men and also realizing that. A large part of his homophobia was because he had been called you know, a fag and all of this stuff, and he was mm-hmm. bullied for not being like, quote, manly enough, enough yeah. and so when he saw that, all of a sudden, like he like that homophobia completely disappeared, mm-hmm. and he ended up kind of like making amends in a certain way. I mean, there wasn't anybody in particular, but making amends by. Deciding to be an advocate for gay rights Mm -hmm. and, you know, raising money and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, transformational stories about um, when we have something within us, you know, um, and we shine the light on these dark places instead of just closing the closet door Mm -hmm. on our dark places and our shadow and really look into these elements and then share them with others is powerful so thank you so much for sharing that yeah. story with yeah, us. Sure.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I had um, one of my best friends growing up, um, especially through middle school. I, I won't say name, obviously, but um, if you do listen to this, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> we grew up in middle schools, challenging for everyone, obviously. Everyone's yeah. kind of in their own bubble. And at least for me, I was not comfortable with expressing much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of us are in that same space, but he certainly was. And I know he grew up with a religious family. Um and I remember back in that time sort of the middle school culture was kind of bashing the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, homosexuality at mm-hmm. that time, you know, it was very rampant, unfortunately. Um, I wish that was different then, but that's what it was. And he was kind of on board with that. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what changed for him because we kind of, you know, separated once high school started. Um, but sometime in that time he came out, um, is actually being homosexual and mm-hmm. now he's, so expressive in himself and it's very cool to see like Mm -hmm. he's being himself and it feels right now to see that and Mm -hmm. he's like not afraid of it Mm -hmm. it's just really cool to see that change i'd love to like talk to him and just see what let him kind of work through that yeah to see that now but it's it's incredible to see such a difference Mm. you know that's beautiful wow amazing good on you my man (laughs) yeah yeah thanks for sharing that
0: daniel (laughs)
1: So Stella, <laughs> yeah. I, I know you've had recently a bunch of actually uh, CD release parties. Yeah. how are those going? Are you? They're,
2: they've been all really great. Um, yeah, so we had. I this is our second CD. Um, the first one was under the French Oak name, and this one's under Banjango name, but of the same band. You mm-hmm. know, it's the second CD, mm-hmm. and so. Um, it's, you know, I, I really am happy with how it turned out, and so I don't know. I've, I've been so busy in September. I think maybe four CD release parties was too many, but... <laughs> No way. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. But it has been cool to have it in each sort of different region. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did one in Nicasio at Rancho Nicasio. And that was it was a really lovely evening and just like a beautiful place. It was the first time we'd play there. And um, we did our CD release at Redwood Cafe, the Sonoma County one. And and it was a really nice turnout. And people bought a lot of CDs, which, you know, I always worry that CD players are becoming you know, absolutely nobody's going to buy CDs, but I have had great success with with the first CD as far as selling them at shows and things like that. So, um, and then we just had one at Red Poppy, and that was just an amazing audience, mm. and they were just really enthusiastic, and it was really fun, mm. fun show. And uh, then our last CD release party will be this um, Wednesday tomorrow, or. I guess oh, <laughs> the chronology yeah. of this. Yeah, so it would have already happened. Well, well, What's that date? That's <laughs> the 2nd, uh, right? Oh Yeah, second the 2nd of, of October, October. Yeah. Um, at Blue Note Napa. And, and it's nice. a really fun venue there. So Well, congratulations yeah. in advance. I'm sure Thank that you. went great. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's incredible.
1: Nice. How was the recording experience for that?
2: Um, it was a very long recording experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and most like most of that was just having the funding to to deal like to be able to get it all done. But it was so we tracked it all I think two years ago. We tracked like the bass, drums, and then like scratch. And um and then it took a while to get like the the guitar on there. And then we had to redo the guitar and then get the vocals in there. And then the mixing process took a really long time. And it was our friend, uh, Andrew Davini that did it. And he did both albums of ours. And he's just really fun to work with. Um, But it did take a a long Mm -hmm. time. It took a long time to get it out, but that happens sometimes. Yeah, you know? of course. So, I got know. out. That's yeah. what matters. Yeah, yeah. Here we are. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're making it happen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you are the great band leader. I mean, you really yeah. do yeah. as a band leader man, I mean, um, you you're doing it all. You're of course like scheduling the rehearsals, you're um, you know, doing all of your booking, and you're doing huge stuff on social media. So I see where you're posting all your different. You've got Mm -hmm. these amazing videos. So actually, that was one of the topics that Uh I wanted to bring up. Was your work on social media and getting things out there? Because I think personally, you do an incredible job. Oh, thank you, thank you. With that,
2: thank you so much. Sometimes it feels a little like daunting, and you don't know like what who is actually seeing your posts or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah I do post uh, I post a lot on social media and 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 on groups groups are really nice because people are already kind of focused in a in a place or a a genre of of something or a locale that is already interested in what you're doing. So
0: people that aren't really that familiar with social media, um, what do you mean by that, special groups?
2: So like on Facebook, and I'm not as much on Instagram, but on Facebook there are groups that are like women in jazz or jazz in the San Francisco Bay Mm -hmm. Area or, you know... Sonoma County Music. Yeah, swing dancers in Sonoma County, you know. Mm -hmm. So posting on these different places where people are going to find out about events that would interest them, you know, is, is, seems like it's a better targeting of, of finding people that would be interested in coming to your show. Mm -hmm. So I try to post on different groups and, and pull people in from that way. And so it's been working pretty well, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I do that. And I find that a lot of the media like radio and newspapers are also super valuable still even though we think that people don't necessarily listen to the radio or read the newspapers. I find that when I do get radio and and, uh, newspaper articles written about a show, it seems to be more successful, I Mm -hmm. think.
0: And so you're the one that takes the initiative to contact the radio person and say, hey, I've got this thing coming up, Mm -hmm. as well as the journalist. So uh, let's maybe share that with um, our audience members. And there may be some musicians listening. Yeah, sure. Um,
2: Um, I mean, I... I research uh, where, like, what publications are in a certain area. And then I do basically a press release kind of a, a printout. Just says, you know, the names of the performers, uh, write up about the show, why it's interesting. And then a lot of newspapers will have, like, a, a section that's saying, this coming, you know, this event is coming up. And they might run it for a couple of weeks. So you, you know, write
0: to the um, publication and say... Yeah,
2: or I'll call them and I'll mm-hmm. say, like, who should I send a press release to? And it might not get published, but, you know, um, it's a, it's a try, you know, to mm-hmm. get it in a, a local sort of newspaper, especially if, cause with the Billy Holiday Project, I'm playing in places that I'm not in, you know, in mm-hmm. Santa Cruz or the East Bay or something. So getting a publication in a newspaper that local people see is, is important, in I a, think, if you can.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you sending it as a PDF or just like um, a, in a text yeah. in an email or?
2: Uh, text in an email, a PDF, I, yeah, usually not a Word doc- document, mm-hmm. but yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Great. And then with the radio, you call up a local you know station? Well, that's right, mostly local. Radio local
2: mm-hmm. um, but, you know, same thing. You know, you research what the stations are. Um, I, I just did a radio interview with a woman um, that's based in San Francisco... And she writes for the, the black newspaper in San Francisco as well. And, and she was re- just really interested in the Billy Holiday Project, and that was nice. Like, a lot of times mm-hmm. I'll reach out to these people, especially in radio, and they just won't get back to me, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to get somebody that's like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll feature that and come on my radio show and things like that, you know? So, um, but it's really just finding the right person to send the email to. Mm-hmm. You know, you, see, you research... Uh, who is the artistic director of a place you want to book, or who is, um, you know, kind of like the media liaison at a radio station, or who's the press release person at a at a newspaper? And those are mm-hmm. the people you contact and try to get as specific as possible. I found.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I'm also hearing that you're very persistent and that you you persevere. You really mm-hmm. persevere, and so I want to hear about that. And also, you know, when how you deal with um, you keep moving forward is what I see, even mm-hmm. when you don't get a response, yeah, from people. yeah, so <clears throat> maybe you do or don't persist with that particular um, venue or journalist or radio show or whatever, but you don't allow that to kind of tamp you down emotionally, yeah, yeah. so. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah,
2: sure. I mean, maybe it, it comes from, like, walking in so many audition rooms when I was <laughs> a professional actor in New York and went to countless auditions, you know. So re- rejection is something that I've gotten really used to, um, to getting it, or just no response, because a lot of times if you're sending a booking email or something, you don't get a response back. Um, and... Oftentimes, if I don't get a response back and it's someplace that I really want to book or I think it's a really good fit for whatever I do, I'll keep emailing, you know, and just mm-hmm. to say like, hey, I don't know if you got my email, but, you know, and oftentimes, like, uh, after maybe two or three times of, of doing that, I'll get a response. And if it's yes or no, it's nice to get a response, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I I much prefer to have somebody say like, "Oh no, we're, we we uh, don't feel like it's a good fit right now" or something like that than to not get a response, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it never feels good to be ignored. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm curious mm-hmm. about your um, time in New York City. So, if mm-hmm. you could give us maybe like the timeline when you moved to New York, um, mm-hmm. you know, did you go from Syracuse to to New York yeah. City? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I was at
2: Syracuse from 2005 to 2009, and then in 2009 I moved to New York City. And I was really lucky coming out of uh, college that I we do these showcases at the end of an acting school, and and so agents and all of these you know kind of New York people come and and see you do a couple scenes and sing. And so I was in a showcase and I I got an agent out of it. And I didn't realize moving into New York as an actor, like how important an agent Mm -hmm. was. Um, Because a lot of my friends didn't get agents and they were just, you know, going to these open calls and, you know, having to wake up at, you know, 5 a.m. to get to the, to wait in a line and maybe be seen. Mm. You know, so it was a huge gift to have an agent right when I moved there. And, um... It was probably uh, like six months after I, I moved to New York that I got my first show, which was a musical. And it was the Fantastics. And oftentimes I would get, I'd audition in New York City and then I'd do the play regionally. So that one was in St. Louis. And that one gave me my equity card, which was also a big gift because it meant that I would get seen for a different level of theater, basically. And I was in the union, so it was I had certain rules that had to be followed as far as, like, how much I could work and how much I would be paid and all of these things. So mm-hmm. it was really, I feel like I was very fortunate. Um, but that was, it's a hard life, you know, it's a hard life to go to auditions and to be constantly, you know, prepping this one thing and kind of investing so much emotional energy into like, oh, if I get this part, it would be really cool. And, oh, I'd get to go here, you know, and then have it not happen. Mm -hmm. You know, again, you don't get a response usually when, when you do it. Um, but I was very fortunate and I did, did get to play in a lot of things and I did a lot of Shakespeare that kind of became my niche and, um played roles that I had wanted to play for it a does. long time. Juliet, I've got to play ah. Juliet. And I mean, some people might not know a lot of the, <laughs> the Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like Cymbeline is a really lesser known Shakespeare play. And there's a wonderful female character named Imogen. And I actually played her in, at Marin Shakespeare here. And um, and so, and the, the one that I did in St. Louis was the Fantastics. And, and Louisa was a wonderful character to play. And I met some awesome you know, people along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, My, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to name any names. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and New York itself, I really love. I I fell in love with the city. It's just um, so lively and so bustling and there's a niche for everything. Like while I was there, I got really into swing dancing and I was taking classes uh, swing dancing about four times a week. And then I would go out to see live music (coughs) and just really had this whole network and social network of swing dancers. And it was really fun. And and also fed into my love of swing music and singing swing. Um, It's just such a joyful music and Mm. joyful dance. That I I I <laughs> gravitated toward it. I just I love it, and I still I still try to go with swing dancing. Though now I'm pretty rusty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so I'm booking. I'm, well, I'm going back to New York in a in a month or so, and, and so it's nice because i I've, I've put feelers out to p- musicians that I know there, and so I'll sing at a lot of these places that I would go swing dancing at. And so coming back and having this kind of full circle nice. thing is really fun to, totally. to feel. yeah. Neat. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. And I can just imagine you. I'm just like visualizing you swing dancing and, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, your hair swinging around. Yeah. Joyfully, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so you, yeah. you know you are.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like you watch swing dancers and there's like a grin on people's faces, you know, from ear to ear. It's like so such a fun dance. Totally. It really is a fun dance. Oh, my gosh.
0: I could watch that forever, too.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's you know? amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I've always thought like I would love doing that, except um, I've always been concerned. I am such a sweater. Like oh, I mean, yeah, literally, yeah. my like my face just drips. I get hot very quickly, uh-huh. and I would think like Who in the world would want to touch me <laughs> and dance with me? And the sweat would be like, You're
1: refreshing. <laughs> well,
0: thank you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
2: <Anyway. laughs> That's funny because, like, I've always found that, like, swing dancing, like, I've danced with a lot of really sweaty guys before. And so, (laughs) you know, like, but there's something about swing dancing and it's kind of like this unspoken rule that it's, like, so inclusive. Like, you mm-hmm. just don't judge people, you mm-hmm. know? Yes. You don't judge them on their skill level or whatever. You Like, you can kind if of, there's this thing where you just say yes. You say yes to the dance, you know, mm-hmm. unless you've, like, danced five dances and you want to take a break. Yeah. But, you know, if somebody comes up and says, hey, would you, do you want to dance this one song or this next song with me? You know, you say yes and then whatever happens, happens, yeah. you know? And that's, like, it's been a really lovely lesson i found you know because like sometimes somebody's rhythm is so different than you but you kind of have to you know for that length of a dance just feel what there's there is mm-hmm. and see what you can create and it's right. a really it's a nice expression that i wish that there was a kind of continuation of partner dance i feel like our our society has kind of lost that that mm-hmm. partner dancing mm-hmm.
0: thing that used to
2: to happen but yeah yeah hmm.
0: I know there's stuff going on here like line dancing and And there is some swing dancing going on. In fact, um, John's, my husband, uh, his um, assistant, Mm -hmm. dental assistant, DJs swing dancing. She's really into swing dancing. Cool. And so I can actually get you some (laughs) info on that if you'd be into
2: it. I heard a really good swing dancer just moved to Sebastopol or somewhere around here, Sonoma County somewhere. Um, and it's starting to teach around here, too, so, so oh, that's nice to, yeah. to hear. But, like, what I mean is that I wish that a partner dance had evolved along with the music, you know what uh, I mean? I get it, okay, yeah, yeah totally. So So, like, that goes with swing, and, it, and, you know, salsa goes with salsa, but, like, mm-hmm. with the music that, I mean, our, our pop music of today, but, and I guess there is, like, what is it, contact, contact improv, improv. Mm-hmm. and, like, and... Yeah, I guess there is some That's kind really of dance though, expression, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, but I kind of wish that uh, some kind of a partner dance had had continued to evolve.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Well, yeah. we did have uh, what do you call it? Um, disco. Disco. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I was yeah. never into. <laughs> yeah, but right. but when, it was a continuation. You know, yeah, yeah. But it was a right. continuation. Yeah. yeah. But certainly not with rock and roll. Isn't, no. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or metal. Nope. <laughs> the mosh pit, maybe, but. <laughs> no,
1: you're on your own. <laughs>
0: It's about survival. It's <laughs> less
1: about partners.
0: <laughs> oh my god! So I never
1: liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, not that part of it yeah. personally. But.
0: So I'm thinking about relationships with other artists. Mm-hmm. And um, have you ever felt this is one thing that maybe some you know artists kind of like. Uh, well, actually, everybody may feel from time to time. Have you ever, like, uh, experienced any kind of competition or feeling competitive with another person or envious or...? Um... Um, I, I really try to shy away from
2: competition. I've always been, like, like I hated, you know, competitive sports growing up kind of thing. So whenever I feel competition, I usually kind of, like, mm-hmm. go the other direction mm-hmm. yeah. um, or just kind of try and disengage um, but yeah, I'm sure that it definitely comes up, I think, in the, in the music world, in the artistic world. Um, as far as like relationships, I, I think about like my band relationships and it can be really, it can be wonderful and it can also be a challenge to kind of juggle the different personalities and different moods and different um, things that come up. Um, and sometimes sometimes there is like some weird things that are kind of like feel like jealousy or competition even within a band, you know. Um, so yeah, but it, it always but a band is kind of like a family, you know you you create with them, you um, do so much uh, commuting with them, you know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know that you really start to know these people as, as really close close people though some yeah. of my musicians a lot of them are, are my really good friends and um, and so you know it all kind of it works itself out uh, over time yeah. Yeah. I find you know
0: yeah, yeah. thanks <laughs> Stella are there other things that you would like anything that we haven't asked you about yet that you would like to like okay mm-hmm. I have one <laughs> so, let me interrupt you okay. for a <laughs> second <laughs> before you speak yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you um are not listening to so- um potential songs for your new projects mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. what do you like to listen to like on your own? Mm if you're in the car or
2: Yeah, um I feel like I'm often listening I mean really eclectic world music is that's that's what I like to to listen to. And, and that's kind of what I model Band Django after, too. So, you know, I, I, whether I'm listening for a specific song, that's kind of the genre that I, I gravitate toward. Um, and then oftentimes I'm listening so much to music for, uh, for my work or for new, for new material, things like that, that I'll listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Do you have not. any favorite podcasts?
2: <laughs> I have yours. I've listened to a lot of your <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Thank and, uh, you. And yes, absolutely um yeah I I like to listen or like books on tape um Mm -hmm. yeah I've been listening to sapiens and you know I like to listen to people talking sometimes Uh just as like a break from from the like the music in the ear you know
1: do you have any other big shows coming up so you're going to New York (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah in a little bit you're gonna have that last CD release that is now in the past if you're listening to this. But do you have any other <laughs> shows coming up or uh, anything yeah, people should know about?
2: We're playing with the Billy Holiday Project, we're playing at Feinstein's at the Nico on Thursday, the tenth of October. Okay. And then we're playing uh same with the Billy Holiday Project um at Kumboa Jazz in Santa Cruz on the nineteenth of October. Um Band Django. We have an art reception. I'm forgetting the date. It's a Tuesday. We at Redwood Cafe, okay. and then we in I think the end of October we were playing at Coyote Sonoma um, as a full band. So that'll be a fun that's dance sweet. show. And that's uh, that's nice. Yeah, from my calendar recall, that's it. <laughs> that's pretty great. I <laughs> yeah, couldn't yeah. possibly recall <laughs> yeah. that. And
1: people can probably find those dates on your website. Yeah, right. On my so you website. have your own personal website, yes, right? Yeah, and I do. The URL
2: that uh stellaheathmusic.com got mm-hmm. it
1: yeah. Yeah. it can be found on your facebook as well and then you have yeah a, uh,
2: probably not my personal facebook uh but the band's band facebook yeah. gotcha yeah okay yeah. yeah
1: so people can find you yeah so you have, a, you
0: have a you have a billy holiday project facebook yeah. and you also have a Banjango yeah facebook yeah um, so Stella, I know that you teach yes, as well. I do, so yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about what sure, you teach, yeah. how you teach, where you teach? Yeah,
2: sure. Um, I teach voice, very beginning piano and very beginning guitar, um, at, uh, a place in the East Bay, uh, in Lafayette called Modern Tone Studios. And I'm teaching in Healdsburg at Speed of Sound, um, you know, one day a week. And so then just fitting in the, the, gigging and the band leading, scheduling, and then, and then teaching is, is kind of a a challenge sometimes, but I really do love teaching, especially voice, especially teaching like teenagers and into adults Mm -hmm. where they have kind of, because the voice is a really, um, kind of sensitive and complicated instrument because it's in your body and it, it deals with so much of your kind of personal story and psychology and emotions that it's, it's nice to have somebody that can kind of navigate that sometimes young children it's it's harder to to have them understand the different things that that kind of go on in the voice and then also just the mechanics and how to how to navigate you know breath support and things like that is is something that is really really fun to me and so a part of my acting training was was this uh vocal training called um freeing the natural voice Hmm. It was developed by a woman named Kristen Linklater. And I thought when I was doing acting in New York that I would get certified in this vocal training. And so it's something that I still use a lot as far as trying to get relaxation and freedom throughout the body in order to get the maximum amount of expression that you can through the voice. And um, it's really fun to just kind of have somebody go on that journey and see the the breakthroughs that happen Mm -hmm. vocally. Uh, It's really lovely. And I think that teaching is something that I want to, Keep, continue to do and, and get better at so, right. yeah do you do you any Skype lessons or I've never done a Skype lesson I do book my own you know students in Santa Rosa mm-hmm. uh, so if people contacted me I, w- I would book uh, at a certain place that that a friend of mine rents to me so mm-hmm. you know that's,
0: okay yeah
1: as a as a gigging singer do you have any tips for keeping the voice healthy what do you do
2: oh yeah that's a really good question um so, <laughs> um, so it's I. So the thing that really wears out my voice is talking in between, yeah. in between the sets yeah. over the the bar music and and the ambient crowd noise. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's when I start to just feel like, oh, my voice is is hurting. Um, so I'd say trying to like get to a quiet spot in the bar if you have to, you know, yeah, totally. if you have to talk to somebody, and you do have to talk to people in in gig situations, you know, and then just, you know, they call it vocal hygiene, you know, staying hydrated, you know, not drinking too much alcohol, um, drinking tea if you, if you need to, like throat coat is wonderful. Um, Yeah, you can like gargle with salt water if things are going on, you know, there's, and you, and usually if something's hurting, you know, something, you should, you should pay attention to it, you know, and sort of, you know, not singing, being on vocal rest, if you need to do that is, is also, um, is also important. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and like in the summertime I was feeling my voice was just like every gig, it wasn't feeling right. And so I went to the mountains, I took myself to the mountains and I didn't, you know, I didn't sing very much or wasn't singing in any sort of like big capacity. And it really just like healed, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it, that, Unplug and not pushing it and pushing it and pushing right. it is really necessary sometimes. Plus, well, the allergies out here can kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never good been point. really allergy prone. So, nice. yeah, I know. I guess I'm lucky <laughs> no, in that good. regard. That's yeah, good. that's yeah. good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so Throat Coat Traditional Medicinals is a great yeah, brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check that out if you, mm-hmm. if you need some of that. And there's also throat sprays and coating stuff found everywhere, but I'm not too familiar with it Yeah, personally. Slippery
2: elm bark is mm. something that's helped me too. And they have like little lozenges that are the slippery elm lozenges. But I actually think like I'll go to the herbalist store and get like the... The actual bark and just mm-hmm. kind of chew on it and it sure. makes this kind of like slippery taste in your mouth like mm-hmm. okra or something mm-hmm. and it it really like helps to kind of lubricate the the vocal <laughs> cords. Cool. i find it's like your own yeah. slide grease or
1: something. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. i mean hey yes, right? Right? Yeah. they're gonna use it, yeah. we it. <laughs> right on well thank you yeah That's some right. good tips yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. well is there anything else before we wrap up stella um no i think i think you i think we got it all thank you so much for having me oh gosh thank you so much for for coming on our show we're so happy to have you
1: thank you stella for coming out and of course thank you listeners for still plugging away and listening to us we appreciate Mm -hmm. you every single time you come on Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you're interested to hear some more some more stories from fantastic people that come on every week on Mm -hmm. sunday
0: yeah and we love comments. We'd love to be able to respond to each and every one of you that we hear from. and uh, yeah, so thank you so much. and oh, and if you want to um if you're wondering where else you can hear this podcast in your favorite place, um, <clears throat> Podbean is an app, and we're on Stitcher or Spotify, Apple music, uh, even YouTube. Yep. And um, and you can just type in meaningful musical conversations. It's kind of a long name, so, you it know, is. watch the spelling on that. autocorrect <laughs> might get you pretty a <laughs> typo. Right, <it's> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um,
1: um, and then lastly, be sure to check the notes down here if mm-hmm. you guys are ever curious about, you know, we usually post links to the artists and music as well. There's mm-hmm. always going to be stuff, and we're kind of figuring out uh, more of that as we go. But be sure to check down there if you want to learn more about us or the artists.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Well, we hope you enjoy some uh, musical, meaningful musical conversations. And <laughs> yes. till next time, thank you.
1: Okay, thanks, Stella. We'll see
0: you.